0: Hello everyone, I'm Pam LaRicchia and this is episode number 95 of the podcast. I'm still away and recorded this intro early. This week, Ann Oman and Anna Brown joined me to answer your questions in this month's Q&A Roundtable. We answer questions about radical validation and what's so radical about it, sibling conflicts, unhappy temperaments, and how the three of us have worked through challenges to get to epiphanies and personal growth. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and I'll catch up with you when I return next week. And now, on to your questions. Welcome to another Q&A episode. I'm Pam Ricchia from livingjoyfully.ca, and I'm so happy to be joined again by Ann Oman and Anna Brown. Hi, guys. Hello. 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 Good morning, and good morning or afternoon to everyone listening and we're, we've got four nice questions lined up. So do you want to get us started, Anne? I would
1: love to. And mm-hmm. the first one is from Heather in Arizona. And she, she jumps right in and says, I am so blown away by Anne's article about radical validation, especially this paragraph. When we try to get them out of and away from the uncomfortable feelings because we don't know how to help them and we just want them to be happy, they just go further into those emotions to protect their right to feel that way. But now they have yet another level added to their already existing discomfort. And she continues, we have been struggling with how to help a situation in our home for a while. Our 10-year-old daughter constantly criticizes and belittles her 12-year-old brother. The only way we know how to deal with this, because it is heartbreaking to see how hurt our son is by her comments and treatment, is to remind her to please treat him as kind as you'd want to be treated. I realize that has so much weight and isn't the ideal way to handle it. We'd love some further detailed ideas on the best way to validate. Hi, Heather. Uh, First, I do want to say that the excerpt Heather quoted is actually from a post I wrote in our Childhood Redefined Online Summit group. And I did add that post to my website, shinewithunschooling.com, under articles and essays about validating our children. So there's more there also to read. Um, So Heather, I'm so very happy that my words landed at home in your heart and I'm so glad you're asking for help with your specific situation here. Um, In that post you referred to, you might remember I had also written that I like to call it radical validation because it may be counterintuitive at first and it is definitely not what most parents offer to their children when the child is going through a difficult time. So I can see and, and feel actually in your situation that what your intuition is telling you is to protect the child who was the subject of the belittling by asking the sibling who is doing it to stop. And yes, that is a natural instinct. And what I'm asking is that you don't stop there you keep digging because obviously that hasn't worked so far. So if you haven't had, you know, a shift in circumstances, that's an indication that you need to keep digging and come up with a different perspective than that natural instinct to protect. And in this case, I can really feel that the one who is really hurting in some way, the one who needs your validation also is your 10-year-old daughter. So that's when you back up and take a look at the broader view of what's going on here. What is she seeing in him, her brother, that is making her maybe feel like she is not seen or heard? I think this is what you want to take an honest, radical look at. Even if it's what others might see as typical sibling rivalry stuff, you can look into your daughter's heart and see the world and see her brother from her eyes, from her perspective. And you can radically validate the things that maybe you don't even want to see, let alone validate. But yes, radical validation is sometimes saying, I hear you, I get that you feel like you don't like your brother and sometimes wish that he wasn't even here. Now that might sound extreme to some people, but that is something that a child might actually be feeling at times. And until it is seen and heard and validated, It probably won't go away and may even get bigger. But I wonder if you can feel for yourself, even in me saying those words out loud, that validation, how saying it back to the child in a sincere and understanding way could really diffuse those words that otherwise would weigh very heavily inside of the child. You know, they might also start thinking horrible person for thinking these thoughts about their sibling. They might be worried that you would be horrified and upset if you heard what they were feeling and thinking. So there again we have layer upon of weight and more weight that the child is now carrying. And yes, the child who is doing what looks and sounds like bullying. But when those feelings that could be even scary to them are validated, then they are released. They're out in the open. And you are not only not freaking out about it, but you're saying, oh my goodness, I see you, I hear you, I completely understand, and I feel that way sometimes too. Can you feel what a huge difference that would make in any situation really? Our minds can always be our worst enemies, and dating is a way to help the child not spiral downward those layers upon layers of weight. Um, I've always said that no matter what my child has done or said or felt, I would shift it around so that I could see it in a way to help them get back to a place of feeling good about themselves. So that means when, for example, if Sam might have said something that sounded mean to Jacob, then stormed off into his room, I, of course, would validate how Jacob might be feeling. And then after giving him some space, I would go to Sam and I would validate how he was feeling because he is also the one who needs help now moving through this thing that he said or did to get to feeling good about himself again. And that radical validation gives amazing, miraculous space so that those feelings and those words or that action can exist between us and then dissipate instead of just getting larger and larger inside of Sam. Because there was a reason why he said what he said. And yeah, I was usually able to go inside of it and see it from his perspective and and sincerely validate and say, I know, I get it. I so understand because I sometimes feel that way too. The really beautiful thing about radical validation is seeing my now adult always radically unschooled and validated sons, not, on, not only you know to other people, as their sweet sons, to say, oh, I understand, I'm so sorry, I hear you. And that is really beautiful and that is radical validation.
0: Pam? I love that. I love that, Anne. And, you know, we found the, the same thing as well. For us, what, or for me in these situations, what really worked best um, was for me to have lots of those one-on-one conversations with each child individually. Because that's the important piece, right? Because in a private conversation, I was much more able to be open and validate the child in front of me without worrying that the other child was hearing or thinking that it was at their expense. No, we're seeing things through this child's eyes, you know, and we can do that with each child. So in this case, Heather, you could have open conversations with your daughter about why you know, why she's criticizing her brother, maybe what the triggers are, what she's trying to accomplish, what she, how she feels after, how she feels before, what those frustrations are. And as Anne mentioned, the key is being judgmental, so that she feels free to express herself. Because yes, she may be feeling bad about it. She may be worried about having these feelings in the first place. So to be there and to be open and not judgmental allows her to to release this, um, these thoughts, these feelings, everything, so that you guys can work through them together. So you're free to validate her perspective and her feelings because these absolutely are true for her, full stop. This is it. This is how she's feeling. Um, So maybe there are things about her brother's behavior that she finds frustrating, and you can... Take those moments and really see them from her perspective and validate her feelings and her frustration as as totally um, her perspective and valid. Uh, you can say you're sorry, she's feeling so frustrated <clears throat> so frustrated that often she's lashing out at her brother. And then seeing patterns to those moments. See if there are some patterns. Uh, maybe it's a pattern to how she's feeling. You know, does does it happen uh, more actively when she's hungry or after she's been hanging out with friends or when your son's been doing a certain something? Maybe you can see patterns from the outside that you can bring to your conversations with her that she hasn't yet recognized. Um, and again, without judgment, you can share maybe at times when it comes up you know, when it flows into the conversation, how her brother's feeling too, right? So uh, I found that was an opportunity in those conversations, you know, you had to have that openness, that non-judgmental feeling before you can bring this in, because if you don't, they can feel like you're trying to convince them, you know, it's a judgment piece. Yeah, but your brother feels like crap after. No, it's, it's, um, just as part of the flow of the conversation sharing all aspects of the situation where you can share little pieces you know maybe one child isn't bothered as much and another child is and you can kind of explain that it helps them start to understand each other better as well and then you can brainstorm ways Uh, If it's a frustration that she's feeling, other ways for her to express it as well, because it's not about tamping it down, not focusing on the stopping of it, but focusing on what's behind it and maybe other ways that uh, she can work through that. And also have conversations with your son. Find out how he feels when it's happening. And after you've had some conversations with your daughter, you'll be able to... um, Explain to him what you you've learned from her uh, You know if it's something that he's doing that frustrates her you can brainstorm with your son other ways for him to accomplish Whatever it is that's getting in the way um, If it's just blowing off steam you can explain to him that she doesn't mean um, mean for him to take it personally like you're be able to um, more deeply explain uh, one sibling to the other, once you've had some of these conversations around it. And you can mention that you're working with her for a plan for next time, and you guys will all see how it goes, and you'll tweak it from there, so that they both feel um, that you're on their team. You can work with each of them individually, and keep them in the loop about how the other one's feeling and reacting, but they both know that you're there for them, and and um, sharing their perspective with the other. You can understand and validate what each one of them is experiencing and be that go-between working to find a way through those moments that's more comfortable for all three of you because there's also that piece, right? The, the piece that you're uncomfortable with it as well. Um, so, yes, that might be lots of conversations with each of them, but they're not big sit-down things. Most often, you know, they're short little updates, little tweaks. Oh, I just thought of this. What about this? Sometimes they do evolve into longer brainstorming sessions, um, but over a few weeks, maybe even months, until this new way of engaging in those moments becomes a habit. Because right now you've got one habit, right? And habits aren't going to change overnight just because someone understands them um, intellectually. It's, it's going to be a process. But, I mean, that is one of the huge um, advantages of unschooling is we have the time to do this processing and to understand each other to that
2: depth. Anna? Yeah, so, well, so much of what I wanted to say, what, what you guys covered, um, I think something that's been really helpful for me, and I've talked about it a lot here before, but it's that I look at behaviors as an expression of need, because I think we can really get stuck when the behavior is something, especially if it's hurting someone that we love, or it's damaging something or whatever, we can kind of get stuck on that behavior. But when we look at it as an expression of a need, that helps us take that deep breath and, and get to that place of love and compassion for the person who's exhibiting the behavior and that's really where I start and just kind of digging in to see what's going on and and you guys really covet is it about attention jealousy frustration power you know looking for those patterns can help you head off the upset and the criticisms and you know, you may find that your daughter isn't getting space or that she's hungry and not feeling heard. And all of those things will just give you those clues like Pam and Ann have talked about, because I really do feel like radical validation is just it's, it's the most critical in these situations that you're talking about. Um, and Pam already covered talking to them separately, because I think that's really important. You know, just that gives you the ability to do that radical validation without feeling like you're betraying someone or hurting someone you're able to just see and focus on the person in front of you. And I think there may be ways for you to be a translator, which Pam kind of touched on, you know, being able to help them understand each other I just feel that when we feel loved even in our yuckiest moments it means so much and it changes things there were so many times when my girls you know that was really all that they needed was this validation that they never wanted to see each other again they didn't want a sister at all, and you know I could be there and reflect that and hear that and understand that. And honestly, it would be five minutes later they were laughing and playing, and it was you. It was always just <laughs> kind of this magical thing. But now, of course, you can't go into it without agenda, and I really tried never to. I was always just tried to be delighted and surprised <laughs> when we got there. Um, but it did play out that way so often because those feelings don't feel great. To them either. So when they're able to hear them, get rid of them, acknowledge them, be heard, they want to move on too. I think it's when you don't feel heard or it's being pushed down that you kind of get this death grip on those feelings. And and that just feels yucky for everybody. And so it kind of just becomes festering and, and gets worse and worse. But we just found when we're able to say it, still be loved and heard and looked in the eye with love and compassion, even in those moments, of ugliness like oh my gosh it just it's transformational it really is it's beautiful so I bet you guys covered it so uh, we will go on uh, well, to I, I just, can I just oh. say one
1: more thing too yes um, I, I, the important also that I um, was uh, talking about that uh, to add on once again is that the person um, who you know instigates the uh, as you say the ugly situation I feel that they get stuck there, and that's why validation is super important for them because I find that with myself. If I'm grumpy and I say something that I shouldn't say, And then I want to get out of that. But I'm like, I'm going to feel like a real idiot, like just, (laughs) you know what I mean? You you feel like you've got to stay there almost because, oh, oh, I I created this energy. How do I shift out of it? Validation is the key. Somebody from the outside coming in and saying that was okay, you know, and we, yeah. know you, we know who you really are, we see who you really are, and this is a part of life, and we get that, so. And the whole thing is um, when Pam said, uh, those feelings are valid, ah, ah, the core of the word validation, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Everything is valid, so we let them know that their feelings are valid, so that's the validation
2: yeah so beautiful um okay so i'm gonna go ahead on to question two um which is from oh dear i meant to look this up mikhail maybe from france um Hi, thank you for your kind help to all unschoolers and their parents. You are wonderful. Thank you (laughs) Um, I have a question concerning my son who is almost seven He has a temperament that makes him being unhappy almost all the time He complains very often and for very small things. I have already understood that he is a hypersensitive person My wife and I are doing our best to make him happy, but sometimes it is still very difficult Would you advise us to do things to do to make make things better. Best regards. Um, So hello, and thank you for your question. Um, You know, I I have kind of learned that I I really do think there are some people that just tend to look at things from a darker perspective at times in their life, because it can definitely ebb and flow too. And I found it really helpful to be mindful of my energy and to openly share my delight in the world. And Not in contrast to their statement, so not tit for tat, they're upset about something, no, I love this, But, but really just in general, to be aware of my general energy. In the moment of the complaint, validation is so important that we just talked about, because again... When someone feels heard and understood, they can often let go and move on. When we try to convince them that it's fine or it's not so bad or it's this or I love it or it's great, they hold on to that upset or complaint because they're committed to it, like Ann just said. Like, no, I am committed to not liking this and you're not hearing me. So validation, maybe even re-listen to question one with your son in mind, you know, thinking about your situation and what's happening there, because I think you'll find when he feels heard about the things that are upsetting him, he's able to move on, will be able to move on much more quickly. Um, but just some other fun tools that we've used along the way, you know, ending our day, naming three things that we're grateful for, or we like to talk about the favorite parts of our day and sharing stories, especially when we've been apart and we're able to kind of bring those together and share because we found that when you know you're going to be sharing things later on, you're, you're actually looking for the things that delight you during the day. And you're bringing that energy to the day as you walk through it. And, you know, I know that there are some people that write them down and go back and read them later and keep jars that have favorite moments. And then at the end of the year, they read them. You know, we haven't done that, but I have a friend that does it and they love it and get such joy from it. Um, I, having a child that can be unhappy at times shed a light on me and how I was moving through my days. Um, Early on, I saw the areas where I was adding weight to myself and to her. So I think it's helpful to look at patterns, at our own behavior too. Giving yourself space to feel and room to move through the things, but being aware of what you're handing to others. I think a lot of times we aren't aware. Um, and be aware of the stories that you tell. You know, when you come home from being out, do we talk about traffic and frustrations, or do we talk about something cool or how happy we are to be home? At a restaurant, do we talk about how wonderful the food is or how slow the server is? We're often unaware of the stories that we're creating, and those stories are creating our environment that awareness can allow us to focus on joy, which I believe brings more joy. So I've always found that when I do that, it helps the whole household. And I I don't do that to change anyone else here. I do it because it changes me and because it feels good and it brings joy to my experiences. And the same really goes for looking at the child who tends to be more negative, Instead of focusing there, focus on all of the amazing things that you love about that child. And I've talked about this before, and maybe we can find something to reference in the show notes about you know making a list um, of all the things that you love and read it every day and greet your child with that light and love energy. And Anne mentioned this maybe in the last one how you know sometimes when we we have a child that brings weight. When we when we're about to see them, we kind of pull that weight to ourselves, and you're like, uh, oh, here they come. What's it going to be? They're upset." But no, you know, we can change that energy. That energy when we can greet them with joy, and when she, you know, she does that so well, and we we can you know greet that child with joy and love. It uplifts the energy in the room, too, and and just, again, can be transformational. So I think all those pieces of validation and looking at your own energy and your story can be really helpful.
1: Anne? Yes, all of that was so very beautiful. Um, I had one word written on my answer, and it was... All in caps validation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but I th- did think of other things while you were talking, and I—I I had validated mice who were having a hard time, but now they're upset again, barking again. So. <laughs> Um, the, yes, uh, the, the, how does he shine? How does he shine? Um, because you know, my thing is all children shine when they're celebrated for being exactly who they are. And, um, yeah, to look and see when he lights up, nurture that, go there, hold that in your heart during the more uncomfortable times. And then this goes back to, again, to validation, because I wonder if you've ever done it once, when he starts to complain or feels unhappy and you say, Oh my goodness. I so understand. I can feel that with you. I'm so sorry. And I've talked before about how um, my Jacob would own the weight of the world. And I would just hug him and say, Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry, but you are doing such a great job being Jacob, and it's so wonderful. And he would just relax into that mm-hmm. um, just validation of who he is, even when they are owning the weight of the world. And a very important thing is to not take it personally um, because that just yeah. you know, separates your relationship so quickly. And I know it's hard sometimes we feel like we're in this amazing stress-free life (laughs) of unschooling where they have everything wonderful and yet it's still their real lives and to diminish that is very wrong and to validate that yes, they still have their um, things that they feel are weighty and heavy and that make them unhappy is really, really important. Not take it personally as anything we have done or created. Just allow it to be theirs. Validate and
0: um, let it flow. Let it flow Mm -hmm. over you. Pam? Mm -hmm. I love all that, guys. And one thing that jumped out for me, um, just when when he wrote, he complains very often and for very small things. I mean, absolutely the, the piece of validating that, but also... You know, I got the impression maybe those, those very small things, part of that validation is, is like accepting that those are real. Like, I know when my mm-hmm. kids were, were younger, they were all quite sensitive in that respect too. And a good chunk of my time was taken up with managing the environment. So, and you guys talked quite a bit about the energy piece of the environment, but there's that physical piece too. And that made their days, days easier. And my, mine too in return, right? So they saw me doing what I could to make things more comfortable for them. and that built their trust in me, right? They knew that I was watching out for them, that I knew if, if this chair bothered them, I would you know make sure this other chair was was all ready for them and help them get comfortable and settled. And they could also see through my actions that I really understood them and respected those needs, right? And as they got older and we continued to chat about things, they began to take over some of that environmental management for their comfort. And, I mean, now they completely (laughs) take care of that. (laughs) They knew what they could do, though, because they'd seen me doing it for them. They didn't just stop at complaining about it, right? It's helping them, validating the complaining um, and understanding that's a real need of theirs to be met and then showing them ways that you can accommodate that need. And, you know, in this case, he's only six. Absolutely, it takes time. Um, The other piece was, I think it can help you, you guys alluded to this, but shifting away from using happy as a measure to using comfort is one Mm -hmm. thing that helped me. So you want to make his world as as comfortable as you can. Um, But like you were saying, it just might not be someone's um, perspective now at the moment or you know as it ebbs and flows that just may not be something he can be comfortable but maybe still not particularly happy um and if he's but if he's not comfortable very little is going to make him happy right so i think that whole comfort piece lies beneath and then then you're not trying to measure his feelings you're measuring what you can help with because you can't make him feel anything right Mm
1: So can three. I? Can I add? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry sure. Don, I Anne wants to add a little something. Again. <laughs> well,
0: I was just gonna sum up and say that that was the piece that out for me. <laughs> um,
1: I also can feel that with what you're saying, he may be picking up on an energy that you're trying to change him, mm-hmm. and that is very. I I feel like he's already sensitive if this is his energy, and if you haven't read the Highly Sensitive Child book. That might be a good thing to do. Um, But uh, he is probably um, very um, aware and owning of your feelings. And what Anna was talking about of uh, lighting up when you see him instead of feeling his weight and kind of dreading that, that's really important because he has to know with the validation that you see him shine even as he is and Mm -hmm. do not want to fix them you know that um and the small things even when he says he complains for very small things a, val- a quick validation is oh my i know i know you know like like mm-hmm. this this pen this pen i hate this pen oh i know you know just like that so um instead of trying to change it uh, all the time, um, just another perspective okay bye
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay question number three is from carol in mm-hmm. montana Uh, She writes, I'd like to hear from you lovely ladies about your journey through unschooling. Specifically, when you felt uncertain about something that was happening with your child, how you dealt with it, and how it was later resolved. For instance, were you ever at a place where you were thinking you would like to see your child get more exercise, spend less time doing one particular thing, be more open to new experiences, etc.? How did you get through whatever the issue was for you? I love to hear from veteran moms about their reality with unschooling, especially their stories of conflict to resolution. So I'm not asking about a specific question or concern of my own, but for you to tell your stories of epiphany and growth and contrasting the way things were then with the way things are now. So hi, Carol. What a a fun question. (laughs) Now, my unschooling journey has been a long string of epiphanies and growth (laughs) and It still is, right? Uh, You mentioned stories of conflict to resolution. And I think it's helpful to note that the vast majority of these stories are steeped in internal conflict, and the resolution is my epiphany from a new way of seeing the situation and being able to drop the expectations that I was holding my children to. Right, So it wasn't um, a resolution between my child and I, per se. This w- these were almost always internal conflicts uh, that brought the big aha moments, the epiphanies, and the personal growth. I've written articles about how I processed through um, some of those times when I was holding expectations that were out of sync with my kids and I'll link to them in the show notes. Uh, some of them were very typical ones, like when my son was playing more video games than I was comfortable with when we first started. When my daughter was refusing to read again when we first started, you know, these are uh pieces, puzzle pieces on our journey. Uh my epiphanies surrounding our family relationships and specifically sibling relationships, and we've already touched on some of those in this call already. What I wanted to talk about was the thread that runs through them all is when I'm feeling uncomfortable about something in my children's lives, I found a path through it by looking to my children to learn more. So it was by getting out of my head, out of that loop of conventional wisdom that was at the root of my expectations, you know, like they need to exercise more. They need to spend less time playing video games or listening to Harry Potter and so on. When I managed to, drop that filter, I could more clearly look at them and see right in that moment, they are whole, they are learning. Without the filter of expectations, I could see how much they were learning, just that it was different than what I was looking for, you know, looking through that lens of expectation. Um, It freed me up to look back at their path rather than just at this moment like that that moment where I'm uncomfortable and see that their choices today are not the end of their engagement with that thing it's just the point they're at right now and they are learning through their choices they're learning at their pace which is the only way they can learn no matter if we try to rush them or even slow them down so I hope that makes sense you know if if I'm thinking they need more exercise and I'm just looking at this point where they don't seem to be getting much, but if I can open up, not only, you know, drop that expectation, that's nice, but in doing that, I open up my perspective and look over time and I can see the journey of that. And I can see that what is happening today is not what, you know, the definition of what's going to happen in the future, because it definitely isn't the definition of what's happened in the past. So recognizing the flow of that change. So these were always internal conflicts and the path to resolution to my epiphany was in connecting more deeply with my children and paying attention to what I was seeing, right? I had to think about it, I had to process it, I had to ask myself questions um, and that's how I came to understand what I was seeing much better. Anna?
2: Yes. Um, So mine's very similar, too. It's like I found overwhelmingly in those moments of doubt or criticism that it was about me. You know, there was some baggage or outside voices at play that that kept me from truly connecting with my child and what they love. So I always start with me, you know, what's going on inside of me. What's going on outside of me? How is it influencing my perspective? Um, and I look at things in terms of is this enhancing or harming my connection, this line of thinking or this judgment that I'm, I'm holding on to? Um, and as soon as I worked through whatever boogeyman was presenting itself and that I found, I could reconnect and see my child again. And then, as always, all was well. And I've learned that I don't know why things happen, I can't control things in my life or theirs, but if I focus my energy on staying connected and trusting that everything is in service to our growth, that things just flow. So while I don't really have a story in particular to share, I just wanted to talk about my process because really that's the process I use over and over again when things bubble up. Um, And I feel myself judging or acting in a way that disconnects me from the people that I love. So that's all I had for that.
1: Anne? Um, I said nothing like what you guys are saying. Interesting. (laughs) This is good. I'm just joking. It's exactly the same. (laughs) And first of all, I want Pam to read all the questions to me before I write down my notes because you do in such a cheery, chippy way, and I feel like I read them with so much weight. (laughs) So I'm going to try that cheery, chippy way from now on. I'm like, oh, this is easy. Look how Pam's reading it. So anyway, here's what I have to say. Hi, Carol. <laughs> um, I have, I'm just going to go through my resume a little here, and I'll get to a point, really. Just, just bear with me. Um, I've been writing about unschooling in online forums 1998. <laughs> That's 19 years. Jacob, who just turned 27 and who was just here, he was 8 Sam for. I've been speaking at unschooling conferences, conferences since 2002 at the very first unschooling conference, Learn, um, talking about unschooling on this wonderful podcast, thanks to Pam, for many, many episodes. And most recently, I and all three of us have bared and shared our heart and soul at the Childhood Redefined Online Summit. Um, and in all of that, there is rarely a time when I do not share stories of my epiphanies and growth because unlike what Pam and Anna were saying, that's what it's all about. (laughs) It's never about my children. It's always about me. And through the years, the sooner I have realized that, the sooner we were able to move on. It takes me to D, children are not stagnant and are always changing and growing and evolving. And I usually did see this fairly easily because I really love seeing the world through their eyes from the minute Jacob was born. I wanted to see everything through his eyes and through his heart. So uh, it's always been me that gets in a comfy place where I know my kids and I know what they love and we're all doing great and look how happy and easy life is flowing and everything. And then they move on from that and I'm still in this comfy place saying, wait, 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 what happened here? (laughs) Um, And my clue to the fact that I need to look in the mirror and see where I need to grow and shift and evolve and let go of the thing I was holding on to that comfy place um, was when it felt to me like I was hitting up against a brick wall in my relationship with my kids. Um, that's when I knew I had to look in the mirror and say, oh, okay, you need to continue this. So yeah, the growth and the epiphany is mine because my children are always exactly where they need to be. And I actually am too. And when I trust in that and keep up with them and um, join them exactly where they are in their lives, then, then it allows so much more easily. So thank you for that. Question: Does anybody else have anything to add before I go on?
0: (laughs) No, I'm good.
1: Okay. Um, Question four, in Pam's chipper voice: (laughs) My husband and I have homeschooled our two girls. (laughs) Let me try again. This is from Meredith in Virginia. My husband and I have homeschooled our two girls, ages eight and six, since the fall of 2016. We love it. I can safely say that bringing my girls home to learn has made me fall in love with them all over again. They are special, special people with immense gifts to share with the world. After one year of homeschooling, things were becoming even more clear about the best way for our girls to learn the important things in life. Unschooling was a concept I found that just plain made sense. Ever since then, we have unschooled, or to us, just lived. Yay! <laughs> that was my yay. I have I have many questions, but the biggest one, and the one I will ask today, is about sibling relationships. My two girls are just shy of two years apart. Lately, they have begun a phase in life where they bicker and fuss with each other all the time, or at least that is how it feels to me who is with them 24-7. To be blunt, it can drive me batty. My oldest is craving independence and wanting more space to herself. My youngest just wants to do everything with her older sister. Both are very different in personality. My husband and I have tried to do more things with them separately, but it seems like a drop in the bucket. We do not live near family who can take one child for the morning or day so the girls can have breathing room. We have wonderful friends, but all have different circumstances that would prevent them from helping in this way too. We are a one income family, so so signing up for activities is limited. Plus, it seems unfair to me if I let my oldest take an art class and tell my youngest, who loves art just as much, that she can't take it because her sister needs space. Am I thinking about this in the wrong way? Then there is the actual fussing. They are not physical with each other, but are in the throes of retaliation, tit for tat. One does something, so the other does something back. For example, one girl feels the other hid her shoe, which in reality is stuffed under her bed, and so purposely takes the last remains of her sister's favorite cereal, which she has had no interest in before this point. The other sister sees this injustice, gets mad, lets it it be known she is mad, and then refuses to let her sister have a bite of her ice cream later in the day, etc. It can go on and on. When we are home, I can take each aside and talk with them about what is bothering them, validate their feelings, and come up with a solution. This process takes a while, which I am happy to do. However, it can be mere minutes after the first argument is settled when a new one erupts. The process starts all over again. Some days it seems that is all that happens. I'm not going to lie, trying to handle this in a non-yelling, respectful way leaves me exhausted. Some days I just want to curl back up in bed and hide under the covers. Any suggestions for this phase in their lives? And please confirm this is just a phase, right? Thanks for everything. <laughs> okay, hi, Myth. Um, it's so wonderful that you saw unschooling was the way for you to simply live your lives and trust that the learning is in the living, yay. Mm-hmm. I love how you've fallen in love with your girls all over again and you see their magnificence and that is so perfect and exactly what you need to hold on to in those times when you want to curl back up in bed and hide under the covers. <laughs> The cool thing is, though, um, the challenges you're living now are, are simply life, and there are no school issues piled on top that you have to dig through to see what may really be happening. So, yay, you can celebrate that. <laughs> um, I kind of feel that you're putting the weight on yourself of solving and fixing, and as you say, coming up with a solution. Um, I could be wrong, but it kind of feels to me that – uh, your girls might be in a mode of keeping score with the amount of attention they' this from you, and you're in the middle of it. I feel like if you are already validating and seeing them, then maybe you can go back to living. And if you stop owning the weight and feeling the need to fix everything, then you will have energy to maybe casually and lightly and simply redirect their attention you know snack anyone hey you guys want to watch uh the show with me for a little while um can you feel the difference of you owning all of the weight of their tit for tatting and holding on to it until you feel it has been resolved versus validating them and then you moving forward you're not ignoring them you're not invalidating them you're simply saying yes i so see you And I trust in this moment, and I'm not going to own it. I'm going to let it be beside me here as I go forward instead of owning it myself. So maybe if it starts at one point in the day, don't take it to your heart so much and have it stay there. See if after you validate, you can, you know, let it float above you and at the door and maybe pick up something that you'd like to do that might be an open invitation for them to join you without any expectations of that, of course. Um, maybe you know, have a craft box that you can go to and start doing something that you want to do and see what happens. Um, let the validation be, and again, don't own the weight of it yourself. It may be a turning point if they see and feel that yes, you hear them, and yet you are no longer personally invested in whether or not they're fussing and tit for tatting with each other. Um, and this is, again, simply because your energy of choosing not to own their weight. You still are um, caring for them and understanding and validating, but you're not owning it so much. And then this also allows space for them to gravitate to what they might want to be doing more than to go back to the uh, you know, competition or whatever uh, the tit for tatting is. So if you keep... If you keep your energy in a place of allowing possibilities to happen because you're no longer owning their weight, then it's in that space where things may have a chance to shift and flow more easily. Um, the place on my website, uh, shinewithunschooling.com, that has articles and essays about validating our children, I do talk um, about that the, the difference between validating and owning our children's weight in the excerpt from my talk so um, that's all I have to say Pam.
0: Sure and I will put that in the show notes. Uh, I love that piece about the energy shift that Anne was talking about and the piece that I'd like to talk about is the concept of fair that you brought up around the art class. So I'm also going to put a link there to my talk uh, family of individuals which is really all about sibling relationships and in that talk I I dig into the idea of fair and how it doesn't mean equal. It's a paradigm shift that we can make as parents. And So I thought I'd share just a bit of an excerpt from that. Equality in what you give each child isn't a helpful measure of fairness or love because what each child needs from you is probably different. One child may need more of your time, wanting a lot of personal interaction, Another might have an active outside interest that needs more of the family's money to support it. And still another might need more of your direct participation joining them as they pursue their interests. You may be giving each of your children very different things that take varying amounts of time and effort and money. But when their unique needs needs are being met, they each feel content, secure, and happy, equally loved. It's been my experience that when each child feels like their needs are being met, they feel less competitive with their siblings. There's a minimal push and pull and struggle for attention or power. That's because they have come to measure their happiness based on their own needs being met instead of constantly comparing themselves with those around them to validate their own worth. So in an unschooling family, what does it look like if one child gets super fun thing A and is really happy about it? In my experience, their sibling doesn't feel spiteful. They don't demand that they get one just to be fair. Now, that's not to say that they may not try it out and like it and ask for one too because they feel they would also enjoy it. If so, when they get it, they'll most likely use it and learn and expand their world. But if a child is used to measuring fair by the numbers and wants something specifically because their sibling has it, once they get it, their goal is accomplished. There's no need to actually use it, it just sits on the shelf. So what do kids learn if their parents make this paradigm shift? In my experience, instead of learning to measure fairness through the numbers, they learn to see and consider the real people behind the numbers, the individuals. They learn that people have different needs and that it's meeting those needs that is important. They come to respect one another as individuals happily allowing each other to live the lives they love because they understand that their siblings' happiness doesn't mean their unhappiness. And as they get older and extend this understanding beyond their family, their friends feel better understood and supported. And that's a much better skill to bring into adulthood than a penchant for -for tit-for-tat comparisons. So let's go back to the art class. If one daughter wants to take an art class on her own, that's okay. If the other daughter wants to take an art class, she can take a different one, or the same one later. If she doesn't want to take it on her own, you can go with her as a parent. And if she only wants to take it with her sister, then it's not really about the art, is it? And that's another clue for you, you can go from there. I think you'll find it helpful just to listen to the talk or even read it because the text is there too. So it can start give you to give you uh, a few more ideas around how you can support each of your children individually. And when they're each feeling supported, there's often less need over time um, to kind of battle it out with each other in those tit-for-tat uh, situations.
2: Anna? Yeah, so um, very much again, <laughs> similar to what you guys are saying, um, but I do have two girls who are just under two years apart and also have very different personalities, so it sounds very similar. Um, I learned a lot through the years of navigating our relationships, and when they were young, they were super close, really inseparable, and as they got older, they too needed space, And it was at that point that I had to do some inner work to let go of any preconceived notions I had about their relationship. Um, I had to sit and to be okay with the fact that they might never be friends. I needed to go there from this idea of these two peas in a pod that we had for all these years. Um, It was only then that we could really move on to problem solving and facilitating And as I started facilitating them having separate friends and experiences, things dramatically improved. And what we found is when they would come back together, they were so excited to share their adventures with each other because they really did still have this bond. They just needed some separation. Um, There were times that I needed to be the one that was engaged with one who was not going out or doing an activity And I just saw that as beautiful connecting time for the two of us together. And as I mentioned before earlier, um, behavior is an expression of trying to get and meet a need. And if we can meet the need, then we find that behavior will change and often go away. So I think you'll find if you facilitate their need to have space, The fighting and the bickering will die down because it really isn't about the shoe or the cereal. It's a need for autonomy and separate identity and to be seen for who they are. As parents, we can fall into the trap, I think especially homeschooling parents, of one activity fits all for our children. We like the idea that we can take them all to the homeschool group that's gathering or the you know, deal that's happening at this thing. And it's, it's great. And we bring everyone. Um, It may be easier for us that way, but easier isn't always better. And while it can take some work, and maybe some creative problem solving with rides and times and things like Pam was talking about, I believe that finding ways for them to have that autonomy and space from each other will ultimately help all the relationships in the family. I mean, that's really what we saw over and over again. And now um, you may know my girls are about to be 18 and 20 in the next couple months. And they really do have a strong relationship. They're still very different. They still like to do things separately, but it, I feel like their relationship in that foundation is so strong because of me not forcing anything on them and understanding that there was ebbs and flows and times they needed that separate space, and allowed them to kind of be the guide of that. So, I think that's what I wanted to add
0: about that one. Yeah, I just want to say that that's such a great point, Anna. <clears throat> in in um, supporting them individually, I mean that's why I called that talk a family mm-hmm. of individuals because you can't think of them as children of, right uh, these are the kids and they all do the same things cuz they're the kids right no the, these are completely two separate individuals and we're trying to meet their need their individual and unique needs and from there they all feel subverted, right mhm yeah i think that's yeah
1: well and and you know with for us uh, jake and sam again are very different personalities and um, if there was something Sam wanted to do and go to uh, Jacob and I looked forward to that time alone and mm-hmm. the other way around so um that was the thing you just you make that time special uh, enough you know where uh, they feel like their needs are being met in other ways, you know, you do something with the other child that they really want to do while one child is at the class or whatever, and I know your um, issue was that you said you didn't have enough money for both to take a class, there's so many options in between, um, you know, not doing it at all, or, you know, having them both do it, and not having money, so again, yes. you just keep uh, connecting with them, and um, again, not owning their weight and connecting with them and feeling uh, their needs in the moment, as uh, as we've all been saying. That's beyond the tit for tatting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful.
2: Which is that. a
1: weird word that we're using. Weird I know. Word that we keep using <laughs>
2: just the tit for tatty, the tit for tatty. And, and i'm just going to re-emphasize pam's point again i think when you leave that paradigm of fair behind oh, so yeah. many possibilities yeah. will open up because it's really about the individuals and connecting and you'll find that you'll get a lot of help from them there you, that's not something you want to lay on them this right. fair idea that's,
1: that's and that's that's an uh, that's a uh, something else that you're owning you know that release yes. that and yeah we've uh, that's and it's, it's so right that it's not even present in our unschooling no. family because everybody's needs are getting met you're seeing them validating them and uh, as um i think it was pam said before that you're on their team you know that's what makes unschooling families so cool that the kids see that and feel that. I love that.
2: And really support each other. You know, I've that's seen exactly. like, so somebody wanting something big that maybe is a big money thing that kind of involves something from all of us. They want to pitch in to make yeah. sure that person has that big thing because they know when, it's, when it comes to something that they're interested in, we're going to figure it out, whether it's driving across the country or doing something else, you know. And so I love that energy, yeah. that energy, even though we did have some of the five, That you're talking about, that is the energy that is in our home of helping each other figure out ways to do the things we want to do. And I love
1: that. Well, with each handheld, uh, you know, Nintendo console yes. thing that Jacob would get for his birthday, he would also spend his birthday money on getting one for Sam, too. Yes. It was more fun to play with Sam. And, yep. you know, they're 27 and 23, and they still have each other's backs and happy for each other yes. and helping each other. And so that's what you want to build uh, toward and mm-hmm.
2: you know, just
0: live in this moment. It's really wonderful. You can, you can do this. You got that <laughs> Yeah, no, it's It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and that is the last question for this week. Thanks to both of you so much for answering questions with me. And just a reminder that there's links in the show notes for the things that we've mentioned today. And as always, if you'd like to submit a question for the Q&A show, just go to livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast and click on the link. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the first book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Free to Learn, Five Ideas for a Joyful Unschooling Life. In it, I share the five paradigm-changing ideas that most help me better understand unschooling. Reviewers have said... A quick read, but packed with ideas that challenge the dominant paradigm of our failing approach to learning, this little gem makes an excellent argument for unschooling. And, I was rather doubtful about this book, as I had never heard of the author, but after reading it, I wish that I had read it years ago. I hope you find it helpful too. Free to Learn has also been translated into French and Spanish. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.